I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Hope you had a good weekend. We're kicking off the week with a very important topic, especially if you are married. Uh, I'm hitting 32 years this May, and I can say that it has been uh, a wonderful blessing. I can also say it hasn't always been easy, and I'm sure if you ask my wife and she was honest, she tends to be very polite, so she probably wouldn't say anything negative. But there were some years, there were some months and some weeks and days where uh, I was probably not the best husband in the world. That's marriage. We're, we're, we're people. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, at a very high rate, both in and out of the church, uh, marriages don't last. Uh, and that, that sort of happily ever after becomes a, a sad myth for a lot of people. Well, if you find yourself in a difficult situation, um, we're going to talk about some of these things, uh, hopefully offer you some hope, maybe some, um, uh, maybe instruction is the right word. Uh, but we're, we're going to look at, we're going to look at marriage from the standpoint of the title of a book called Happily Even after. Uh, and that is a question for a lot of people. The author of this book is Dana Gresh, and she is with me today. Uh, so if, if, you're, if you're in that situation, you know someone that is in this situation, you might want to hit the share button. Uh, let them know, hey, here's somebody talking about the tough situation that you're in. And we'll do our best to give you some, some hope and some insight. Dana, great to have you on Life Today Live. My pleasure to be here with you today. So I'm going to let you kind of take off with this. Um, mm-hmm because this is a hot potato topic, frankly, for a lot yeah. of people. Um, tell us a little bit about maybe your story so people know where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, um, my husband and I, wow, we're crazy about each other. We are deeply, madly in love with each other. We're coming up on 33 years <clears throat> this summer. And um, before we were married, my husband sat me down and said, I want you to know something that is a problem I think will go away when we're married, but I really struggle with lust and pornography. And of course it was devastating. Of course it was sad, but we both believed a lie that I think a lot of couples believe, and that is that it will go away when he starts having real sex. My husband was a virgin. He was like, why would I want to look at that if I get to do that? Well, it didn't go away because that's not how it works. Lust and pornography have almost nothing to do with real intimacy and married love. And so we got help right away. We went into recovery really quickly. And um, but several years into the marriage, my husband sat me down in our two red leather chairs in our living room and said, I've relapsed and I don't know how to find my way back to God and to you without breaking your heart. Mm. And then there's no other way to say it, except he broke my heart into a million pieces. His pornography problem had surfaced again and escalated. And he was in a deep pit and only God could possibly redeem us. We were in a hopeless place, but God has redeemed us. And for many years, we didn't tell our story because we felt like that it was a private story. It is a very private story. 
But we're watching the church be devoured by this problem. 70% of men are struggling with pornography in a way that could be classified as addictive. There's a cycle. There's a pattern. Maybe it's monthly. Maybe it's weekly. Maybe it's daily. Um, and about 30% of women. And yet we're still not really talking about it in real faces, real real addresses, real homes, real stories. We're talking about it in terms of stats, but we're not really getting the redemption we need because we're, there's still some shame associated with talking about it. So we're trying to break that and erase some of the loneliness that many of the couples that are listening right now are facing. You know, uh, I'm sure you've heard it because I have. Uh, I've heard some people, some even Christian leaders supposedly, <laughs> uh, play it down or even say that there's nothing wrong with pornography. Um, and I completely disagree as I'm sure you do too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, so what, what, what do you say to somebody who's even questioning, well, is it really, is it really bad? Yeah. Well, even the, the social science, the behavioral science, the secular researchers are saying, Hey, if you want to enjoy a healthy sexual relationship with a partner, they wouldn't even classify it as needing to be married, then you need to push pause on porn because the research we have tells us that it absolutely dismantles and destroys the desire of another person to connect to someone with real sex. Pornography is a super normal stimulus. What that means is um, the best, most basic example with that of that would be if you took a chicken and you that chicken was laying eggs, right? But you took a, an ostrich egg and you put it in there with that chicken. That chicken would want to incubate and care for that large egg because it's drawn to something that seems superb and super normal. And that, I mean, this is all through nature. This is a real thing. We eradicated a gypsy moth problem by dropping pheromones that were so strong into trees that these male gypsy moths went around looking for the females that didn't exist, fluttering right by the real ones. Mm. And pornography does that to a human being. Um, the way that it creates a dopamine hit, a dopamine hit for sex or food or even something like cocaine or heroin is going to last in your brain. That feel-good chemical will last about an hour. But with, with uh, pornography, it's going to last five plus hours. So it's having this powerful feel-good effect. And at the same time, people who struggle with pornography say, I'm never really satisfied. Well, of course you're not. It's a counterfeit. It's not what God designed you to experience. It's taking you away from the intimacy God designed you to experience and divorcing the act of intimacy from the physiological and physical sexual release. Wow. Okay. Um... I imagine that it was not easy for your husband to sit down and tell you that he had relapsed yeah. or even to open up because most men, I think, especially in the church, uh, wouldn't even want to admit that there was an issue. Um, yeah. how, how hard was that for him and how important was that, that that actually happened? Well, thankfully my husband really had the Holy spirit fighting for him mm. and, convicting him that it was evil and that it was wrong. And um, we we both say, you know, evil is not something you get over in your marriage. It's something you get out of your marriage. And he couldn't get it out without help. 
And the reason for that is that it is so addictive. It is such a controlling substance. I use the word substance because even though there's not an external substance, there is a chemical being created in your brain when you use pornography. Um, and my husband knew the science and he knew he wasn't going to get freedom without help. Hmm. And I knew the science too. So that's one thing that I had going for me because I've been kind of talking to the church for many years about sex and sexual theology and sexual integrity. And so I knew the science didn't make it less painful for me, but I knew that he needed help and he wasn't going to get over this without help. And that's the case for most people that have observed a pattern of pornography use in your life. If there's a pattern, you are by clinical terms experiencing addiction. Mm. Um, you can't stop. You've tried to stop, but it won't stop. Uh, you're terrified of telling someone there's shame associated with it. Um, your brain is physiologically impaired. If you took this functional scan of a healthy brain, um, it would look smooth. But if you took the scan of a heroin addict and a porn addict and put them next to that, they would look very similar and they would be pockmarked, almost like Swiss cheese. Mm. You really are dealing with a physiological problem. My husband knew that. And he knew that there wasn't a way out of the stronghold on his life without telling me and without getting help. So what was the help that you got? Because I mean, anybody well, anybody who's there is, is yeah. going, okay, yeah, I, I can relate, but I don't know <laughs> what to do, right? Yeah. We actually, I'm going to say this in in a succinct way, but Bob and I, are, we just released a podcast to go along with the book, Happily Even After. The podcast goes by the same way, same name, to kind of help understand what kind of help you need and why you need it. But um, we made the mistake, for many years, we used what I would call only biblical help, and that is accountability in the church. Um, here's the problem. Your average friend who's great at helping you solve your problem because you're mad at your husband because he leaves his socks in the middle of the living room or um, you're even your marriage counselor at church the free marriage counselor that's really great at helping you solve communication problems is going to be in over their head when it comes to the physiological challenges that pornography brings mm -hmm. into the relationship and it's not just the porn user the the person who's married to the user generally has symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Now that doesn't mean they have a diagnosis of it, but that cycle of not being sure when the shoe's gonna drop, mm. of not being sure what's true and what you can trust mm. does start to have an effect on the brain. My husband, one of the things that brought him to repentance was seeing that there was sickness in my body. The doctors could never figure out what was wrong with me. They were testing me for fibromyalgia, lupus, all these um, uh, autoimmune things. Couldn't find anything. Mm. And my husband was watching every time he acted out, my body would act up. And I didn't know what was going on in his life. Now, two things you could take from that. First of all, there's something spiritual going on, right? But our bodies are not disconnected from our spirits. And there's also my I was seeing that he wasn't making eye contact with me. Right. I didn't I thought maybe he's busy. He's stressed out. I didn't know that it was shame from a porn problem. So your body registers things that you're seeing in the relationship and starts an inflammation process that's really supposed to alert you and say, hey, pay attention. Something's not right in the environment. Hmm. But. 
I didn't want to admit or face what it might be. And so we were in this cycle of unwellness. That's why you need someone that has unresolved commitment to the Bible and God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer, but also clinical understanding. So they're going to help you navigate the unwellness in both of your brains. Wow. What did what that, I mean, that's, that's profound in a lot of ways, you know, I, I think most couples maybe in that, did you realize it fully at the time? You said you didn't know why you were getting sick, but I mean, uh, no. there's a lot going on that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on. Yeah. But your body really does measure what's happening in the environment. Um, mm -hmm. For a lot of couples, pornography always escalates. And the reason that it always escalates is because for an addict who's addicted to alcohol or drugs, mm -hmm. they just need more yeah. of that alcohol yeah. or that drug to get that dopamine hit that satisfies them, right? With pornography, that dopamine hit becomes lesser unless you look at and participate in something different. It doesn't take more pornography, it takes different pornography. So that's why there's such an extreme risk of escalation when it comes to porn use mm -hmm. because of the way the brain stops making that dopamine when it's looking at the same thing it was seeing previously. Yeah. So um, you, you really do need that, that just that clinical care so that that escalation can be interrupted and you can both get the help that you need. But your body is maybe if your husband has escalated into an affair, that wasn't, thank God, my husband's story, mm -hmm. but maybe that person isn't present in the home and you're kind of like, why aren't they here? Or maybe what one of the things my husband did struggle with was he wasn't emotionally present. He was sitting right there in the right. recliner, but he couldn't connect to me because he was so ashamed. So your body, your eyes, your ears, your heart measures all this stuff and says something's not right. And it sends all these chemicals into your body to create inflammation. And there's just incredible unwellness on both parts, both partners. So so back to the question, what did you do? How did you, yeah. how did you get out of that? Well, we did make the mistake of going to rehab. My husband went to rehab. Really? Um, I call it a mistake because the power of God wasn't in it. The power of prayer, the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't involved in the process. The particular clinic he went to said I would be involved, but they never quite got around to it. It was a managed healthcare facility. So we both made a decision. God's Spirit was speaking to me here in my home on the same day that God's Spirit was speaking to Bob at that rehab clinic. Mm -hmm. We had made a commitment. We weren't going to detour. We're going to finish the course of this program. But that day we agreed, you know what? We need Jesus in the middle of this. And you know why you need Jesus? Because pornography is a sin problem. Mm -hmm. The Bible tells us that sex was a gift for one man and one woman in the confines of marriage. And furthermore, the, the word for sex in the Hebrew Old Testament is yada, Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth. Adam yada his wife Eve. That word means to know, to be known, to be deeply respected. Mm -hmm. No mention of the physical. It transcends the physical and goes to the emotional. So sex is meant for a husband and wife to be emotionally connected through a physical experience. But the goal is the emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And when that is not happening, 
you are dealing with sin because the definition of sin is missing the mark of God's intended design, right? Mm -hmm. So when sin is present, there's only one person capable of helping rescue you from that. And that is Jesus Christ, our redeemer, because you need redemption. You don't need recovery when your marriage is in a crisis, whether or not it's pornography or something else that has brought the sin into your marriage. You need redemption. That means you need um, a clinical care person in the driver's seat who has Jesus in the driver's seat of their life. Wise, wise words. All right, we're talking to Dana Gresh. This is the book, Happily Even After, where she goes into even more detail about their journey, um, but also just about the process of redemption. So if you find yourself in this boat, uh, I would encourage you to pick up the book, maybe point you in the right direction. Um, what, what did your Jesus-centered counseling look like? Was this a Christian counselor, licensed counselor who was a Christian kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he actually had spent a lot of years in managed health care recovery clinics and saw that without the power of God in someone's life, the recovery rate was so abysmally low hmm. that he just wanted to be in a recovery program where he could bring the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit into it. Hmm. But um, one of the first things he did is, you, you know, many times when there's sin in someone's life, we don't mean to be unkind, but we just say, stop it. Don't do it anymore. Right. And everything will be fine. Well, for somebody who's been in a stronghold of pornography addiction, they have tried to stop it hmm. and it hasn't worked. Hmm. And the reason it hasn't worked, because a lot of times you haven't gotten to the root of your belief system. So here's a distinct difference in a Christian therapist versus a non-Christian therapist. Our therapist said, you know, you need to repent, but repentance isn't a change in behavior. A repentance is a change in what you believe. And what you believe might be, for my husband, my husband believed that he had very little worth. My husband believed that he couldn't show up and contribute in this world. He had a lot of shame in his life from his past, from his childhood, that he didn't understand. And he had to change that belief before he could the the behavior naturally flowed out of him that was healthy and whole so when you change your belief a lot of times people have these sinful behaviors or really chronic negative emotions and they can't fix them that's because their belief system isn't healthy and whole and rooted in the truth of god's word so it takes a long time and it takes somebody else to help you identify what are the lies driving my emotions and my behavior yeah. and then going to god's word for the truth to replace them with something that's whole and healthy you know that, that reminds me of some something that someone said to me last week um kelly mentor it was and and she said that our thoughts drive our feelings and i i kind of went i'm not sure that i don't know if i thought about it that much but if you had said to me, our feelings drive our thoughts, I probably wouldn't have disagreed. But you're saying the same thing, the, yeah. the, the thoughts. So when you can take your thoughts captive, to use a biblical phrase, yeah. uh, which is to subject them to God's truth, God's word yeah. in the Christian context, then that will change your feelings, which will yeah. change your behavior. And there's, yeah, there's hope really, in understanding that process. Yes. It really, uh, the word I like to use is dwell. Our thoughts are dwelling on something. Hmm. So a lot of times if, if I've mentored a girl who's struggling with eating disorders, 
I can find that she is feasting on and dwelling on photographs of unrealistically thin models and celebrities. So her thoughts are always going to be about that. And if we can cast those imaginations down, take those imaginations away, and then say, now we're going to focus on what does God say about you? We take her to Psalm 139, her creation story. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well and get her to a place where her thoughts are dwelling on what God's word says about her body, not what the culture says her body should look like. Now you have a fighting chance of her emotions being different and her behaviors being different. And it's like that with pornography and any other sin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating when science, whether it's biology or psychology, catches up with the Bible, which is very, very <laughs> old, and just confirms what it says right there. It's exactly. pretty interesting. Okay, so uh, a couple of important questions. Number one, how long did this redemption process with you and your husband, how long did it take? Because anybody who's embarking on this, I think they have to have a realistic expectation of yeah, what Yeah, I think Bob with. would tell you we're still in the journey, hmm. and it's been years, uh, nearly a decade of recovery, successful recovery work. But um, anybody who's walked through a decade, we did a work marriage workshop last Monday night. And we asked the couples, how many of you have been fighting this porn thing for less than a year? How many one to five years? How many five to 10 years? How many 10 years or more? 42% mm. of the people said 10 years or more. Jeez. They've been fighting this. And they still don't feel like they found the victory, the consistent victory. Um, porn is insidious. Lust is insidious and it is relentless and it is a hard battle. That's why you can't do it alone. Um, but, but what has to happen, not just that the behavior stopped for Bob and I, the behavior stopped sooner than our hearts healed. And for example, um, one of the things that Bob would do if he used pornography when we were in the phase of him being honest with me, this was early in our marriage, is um, he would clean the house or wash my car or take the kids away. He was doing penance. Mm. So when we had this relapse and we were in recovery for many years, I came home one day and my husband surprised me by cleaning up the whole house while well, I hit ground zero and nothing had happened. He was just being a good guy, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so there's patterns of thought and patterns that need healed many husbands. And this is really important. A lot of husbands are saying, I haven't used porn for 18 months. I haven't used porn for five years, but we're still stuck. My wife is still stuck. She's not moving on. Mm -hmm. She's not healed yet. And so your couple, your marriage journey as a couple in that area of healing isn't quite finished yet. Mm. You need to do the work to make her heart feel safe. So 10 years in, Bob and I are still doing work. My husband still is at an accountability group once a week. He still sees a Christian clinician once a week. And I still have to go back and forth. I'm going to see my Christian counselor in just a few weeks for an intensive. Mm. So there's no pornography actively happening right now, but we're still working on being whole and being happy. So if, if we're honest, I think a lot of people would listen to this and think, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. And, and, yeah. and with the 
rate of people that are still struggling long term or haven't healed after years and years is is there any good news in this yeah well i think the good news is this bob and i are truly happy hmm. like we are crazy madly silly in love with each other um and i don't know if some of the stuff we're still working on is just because the journey through pornography and god's redemption in our life has made us really insistent on working through anything that's broken in our sure. marriage or if it's still a remnant of what there was but um you can be happy and you can trust your husband or your wife if she's the one struggling you can walk in a place of forgiveness and joy a lot of couples have marriage beds that are very broken because of maybe it's not just the pornography of one person but a past sexual experience that either of them has had that can be fixed in jesus name um all of that can work and function better if you put your hands in the redeeming power of jesus christ and there's there's the hope because what i hear you saying is is that even though you're you're kind of getting the details of the hard part of the work it's worth it it's worth it yeah all right it's worth it i want to show people a couple of things uh this is your website danagresh.com uh, and so the happily even after podcast is there with the uh, revive our hearts podcast is that right yeah okay so if you want to go hear more uh dana does have a regular podcast called revive our hearts um and you can get the book and things like that if you're in a situation where you you're like man i'm i'm stuck <laughs> you know i don't know what to do uh, she's got some good resources for you. And Dan, I would ask you to address maybe anyone who is, you know, they've watched now for 25 minutes or so, and and they're kind of at that point of, okay, I, I wish that I was where she's at but now, but really I'm where they were at, you know, decades ago, uh, and I feel like there's no hope in my life. What do you say to that person? Oh, there is incredible hope. And I would say start with telling someone. Hmm. A lot of times Hardest you're step. not because you're embarrassed. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. your first step is telling someone. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to another and then you will be healed. Jesus alone forgives, but the healing, he's given that task to us for each other. And if you would just take, be the courageous one in the marriage partner today to tell someone. Maybe it's your pastor's wife or your pastor. Maybe it's a small group leader or a friend that you consider to be really godly. That is one of the first steps in healing is erasing the power of the secret hmm. and dragging that sin into the light, whether hmm. it's your sin or the sin of your spouse. If it's your spouse's sin, do it kindly and respectfully. Don't blast it on social media, yeah. but tell someone so that you're not walking through this alone. Do you confront the person, the spouse before, or do you go outside? Because I, that can create some problems too, I would think. Yeah, I think that if they're not coming forward and repenting, that first you get help. And that might be a friend praying with you. Maybe her husband is friends with your husband and he can be a part of helping with the confrontation. Mm -hmm. But let me go back to that broken brain. 
a broken brain doesn't handle confrontation very well. Mm -hmm. So you can't expect that he'll be, oh, honey, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> never going to do that again. Right. What do you need me to do to make you feel safe and loved? Mm -hmm. He's going to be furious. He's going to be angry. There's going to be an anger volcano that goes off. You have to be in a place of prayer and support where you're ready to do that confrontation in a way that's kind and loving, but doesn't back down if he isn't willing to get the help he needs at first. Yeah. But be persistent because he does need help. I, I would think some defensiveness and denial would probably be mixed in there too in many cases. Yeah. Uh, let me ask one, one more question because I do think this is important and I appreciate you staying a little long here. Um, when, so when, if it's a woman, because it usually is, let's be honest, uh, if, if it's a woman and maybe she's confronted her husband, um, Maybe she feels like she can't because of there's anger, you know, and she may not feel safe doing that. Does how does how does she balance taking care of herself while doing something that will ultimately help her husband, even if he doesn't realize it at the time? Should she take care of herself first so then she could be a better help, or should do you just? What's the best way to go about that? I, I yeah, there is a put your own oxygen mask on first kind of thing that needs to happen. Okay, yeah. In fact, in the book, I the whole first part of the book is about how to care for yourself mm. while you're praying for your husband, while you're but you're not actively engaging with him yet. Because if you are experiencing some of those symptoms of trauma, betrayal mm. trauma, you do need to stabilize yourself. You do need to make yourself well. And um, I'm assuming, of course, that your husband's not being abusive towards you. In that right. case, you might need to stabilize yourself distinct from him for a period of time sure. until you're a strong enough partner to come in and say, okay, how this is how this is going to work. But if he's a safe partner, you stay, you stabilize, and then you begin to engage. Yeah. Okay. I think that I think that's important. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, is there anything you want to add before I let you go? This has been very good, very thorough, very sound. And, and I yeah. appreciate it. I know anybody that's in a tough situation or just, just feeling frustrated because they can't get victory over this thing. This yeah. is very, very helpful. Uh, yeah, I would just add? say, um, give a listen to the podcast happily, even after it's available on Apple, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, give it five minutes. What we're hearing is that the book is predominantly written for the wife. Um, then in the second half of the book, I say, hey, listen to the podcast and their husbands are listening. And for the first time, they're having breakthrough conversations. Mm. And for the first time, he's getting really repentant. And for the first time, he's saying, I'm going to go to a group. That's because my husband's voice is on that podcast and he's sharing his side of the story um, from a place of hope and perspective that I think men are really responding to. Very good. I appreciate I appreciate you being willing to go into this space. Uh, because it's not always easy, and it, it's not the necessarily the the reputation we want to be the people that you know talk yeah. about the porn stuff and, and the hard things. So thank you for that, and appreciate your time today, Dana. You bet. Appreciate you guys watching. If if you know someone that this will help, if there's a way to gently and politely uh, share it with them, I would encourage you to do that. And of course, if you haven't followed, liked, or subscribed to Life Today Live. We would always invite you to do this. We're, we hit lots of different topics, um, some very deep, some very important, some a little lighter and fun, but we appreciate you being here every time. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today. And abundance brings up grace.